You know what the true crime is? Is that I got the first volume of the English release of the Legend of the Galactic Heroes novels and I still ain't read it yet. I read a couple pages and I thought it was actually kind of, you know, a decent translation. Unlike other light novel translations that I've seen. Looking at you, Log Horizon. But, um, yeah. It's actually pretty cool. And it starts off with, like, the history and, like, Rudolph and, like, all those characters that, um, we see in the later episodes. Oh, maybe not later. Yeah, later episodes. Um... Yeah, what is it? A couple, I guess you could say a couple episodes in to the OVA that they start telling you about like the history of the um, Empire and the Alliance and all that. And novel starts off like page like one or whatever in the introduction, and it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I'm here to talk to y'all about. Episode 16 of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, titled A New Tide. Now, this episode starts off like right at the end of the Battle of Amlitzer, where the Empire has definitely won, and they're driving the Free Planet Alliance out of their territory. And just as they had Yang Winley and a couple of other people like pinched in, um, Yang focuses fire on like one particular weak point, and that is the thirteenth fleet or the Black Lances or whatever that's led by Bittenfield. Bittenfield is this like tall, hot-headed, red-haired, like Germanic-looking dude. Well, they all looking Germanic, but um, I feel like he's a really interesting, maybe not necessarily foil, but he's definitely opposite. Yang Winley, where Yang Winley, well, not opposite Yang Winley, but I think he's an interesting comparison because Yang Winley is someone who, like, clearly has, like, survivor's guilt and loathes the position that he's in and loathes society in general because uh, he hates hierarchical organizations that lead people at the top away from whatever. You know, the Legend of the Galactic Heroes, populism, that's whatever. So there's Yang, and he actually brewed a little bit in this episode. Then there's Bittenfield. Bittenfield is hot-headed, and if you challenge him, he will rise to the challenge because he has to be, like, a man's man. Uh, And, like, yeah. That's, like, really funny because Yang Winley, in, like, a conversation with um, Lieutenant Greenhill, uh, he's, even, like, in this episode, it's like, you know, there are people who are willing to just die for a higher being and then just, like, you know, like, they suck, and they'll do horrible things, and you can convince them to do otherwise. And then there are the people who value their life over, like, anybody else. And Yang is more of the type who values their life among anybody else. Uh, and I do sort of feel like that's where his sense of guilt comes in. Wherein Bittenfield is um, trigger-hungry, looking for honor, and um, will say things like, you know, the goddess of victory is waving her panties in our face. Because cause that's, that's, that's him. But he's a cute, that's a cute little like, divide. But yeah, um, Yang Winley manages to outsmart him, goads him into breaking their formation, um, breaks on through and escapes back to Ezerlone, and at least manages to reduce some level of casualties. But um, 
the Alliance sent in $30 million, and they basically lose $20 million. Uh, soldiers. And they lost pretty badly. But, also what happens in this episode is that the Kaiser is announced to be dead. And then there's an inevitable, like, throne. So it's not, like, all, like, wins and losses. It's, um, a lot of people getting ruffled up. The Alliance gets ruffled up, but because, like, people like the Secretary of Defense, because, like, the few people who avoided, like, said, voted no to the war up in the higher echelons of the cabinet in the Alliance government, like, they have a lot more influence and they have a lot more power now as a result of the Battle of Amlitzer. And now, um, the Empire is in dif- uh, disarray. And so we see, like, various different... Um, power shifts happening that leaves all types of openings. The death of the Kaiser in the Empire um, leaves the throne to a child. The other options were two teenage girls, and um, like some people in the court thought that the child would be a lot more easy to manipulate. And now you see um, Reinhardt beginning to start making his moves, talking with Oberstein. And with, um, you know, like all his other homies beneath him making moves. While meanwhile, over in the Alliance, Young Winley is promoted to Admiral and is assigned to be like the fleet commander at Ezerlon. And um, we start to see him picking and choosing his staff. And I think it's kind of perfect to sort of think about this because in the last episode at Gate... Um, they talk about, like, one, I guess you could say, um, diplomat that, uh, is talking to the people there. He just says, you know, where we're from, you know, Japan. He's like, where we're from, peace is just time to get ready for the next war. And Battle of Amlitzer ends, and although they're still technically in an ongoing war, um, we see the preparations for the next battle. Or maybe, maybe not war, battle. Battle. Yes, I meant battle. But, yeah. That's basically what happens in terms of wins and losses, tallies, in moves that people are making. And I like this episode a lot. A lot happens. Uh, interesting things happen. And we see Reinhardt Somewhat disappointed at the death of the Kaiser because, uh, remember, the Kaiser was the person who took his sister away from him all those years ago when she was only, like, 14 to become his concubine, and he still hates the Kaiser for that, and he was just sort of like, man, if only it had been, like, another two years and I would have given him a death worth having. It was, like, implying that he wanted the Kaiser to suffer a little bit more. I actually don't remember what happened at this part so it's kind of cool because when i first watched through the show i was like 15 and now i'm like 23 that was like eight years ago i don't remember like half of the things happening but like, a lot of this is like really cool to me and it's pretty exciting but they also introduce uh another faction in this and that is when they cut away to fizan fizan is watching quietly um, and we see that Adrian Rubinsky is, like, looking, just sort of, like, 
calculating, making sure, and then we see him report to what ostensibly would be his higher ups, and it's like this man in a robe who just says, hey, look at all these people who are about to suffer for turning their back on the earth, um, and I don't know if this is really spoilers or not, but later on in the show, it's like, this is, I think, a, a pretty cool way to introduce this earth cults, and there are people who believe that uh, like worship the earth and think that it was a mistake to leave the earth the way and want to make earth like the center of all human civilization. Um, and I think that's interesting because this is a world where there are two major powers and the two major powers are, you know, the Alliance and the Empire, and they have two capitals, Heisenpolis and whatever the capital was for the Empire, I forgot. Um, Fezan is this small little merchant um, parasite on the side, but Fezan is actually just like a puppet for like this strange cult <laughs> that wants to value the Earth like the way that we should value the Earth, I guess you could say whatever. Um, but yeah, that is kind of interesting. It's like, hmm, okay, all right. We see emerging factions, and Rubinsky at the end is just sort of like, hey, you know, I'm my own man. <laughs> After the hologram of his boss leaves and his Skype call ins. So I'm like, you could be saying that to your boss, but I know that you're trying to hustle them for their money. But, you know, that's Rubinsky. Being there on the side. Other noticeable things in this episode. We see a continuation of the conflict between Oberstein and Kierkegaard. Um After the battle, Reinhardt wants to basically... Chastises, not wants to, but... Um, he chastises and punishes Bittenfield. He's like... He literally says, Hey, some good fighting out there, everybody. You did good. And like congratulating everybody but who's like yeah i want to say you did good bit and feel but you messed up the formation to go after young winley and you let young winley go and that's upsetting me and i'm mad and um kirky ice takes him to the side and he's like bruh you're really just mad at yourself and you're really just mad and jealous of young winley because young winley like, got himself up by his own bootstraps, and everybody's talking shit about you because they think that you're only where you are because of your sister. So it was, like, like real friend-like, but it was like, let me kick it to you straight. You got all this anger. Calm yourself. The man fucked up. He knows. Let it be. Chill. You know, good guy. Um, Oberstein's just like, ugh. This Kierkegaard guy. Because, you know, Kierkegaard is occupying, like, a privileged spot with Reinhardt. And Oberstein doesn't like that. He has a dog to take care of. But, um... Yeah, I actually thought that was, like, a really nice little moment. And, like, it's like, oh, yeah, Reinhardt, get your shit together. (laughs) Where he just, like, psychologizes his best friend to remind him that he's human. Anyways, yeah, 
that's all I really got to say about episode 16. Um, it's good to see this, you know, as always. Um, if you like the show, leave a comment or leave some feedback. If you hated the show, you know, hit us up. DailyAnimePodcast.gmail.com On Twitter at DailyAnimePod. You know, check out the website, DailyAnimePodcast.com. That's our coverage of episode 16 of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. On to the next page of history. That's kind of cheesy. I'll keep that in there. Have a good day.